Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Amanda Zinga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say, the retail media organization that focuses on tomorrow, today. And today, and specifically, is another yep. one of those podcasts with a guest who just makes us and me particularly go, Wow. That just makes a ton of freaking intuitive sense. So I am pleased to introduce Derek Swanson, the Chief Technology Officer at Silk. Derek, welcome to OmniTalk. Uh, hello, Chris uh, and thanks so much for having me and I'm uh, very excited to be here today. Yeah, Derek, I, I want to get started here by getting to know you a little bit. Like Chris teased when I met you that you have the most extensive background. You're the youngest looking person we've ever interviewed with the most extensive background. So can you make sense of this for me? Like, how how is this possible that you've done all the things that I think we're about to hear? Yeah, so I, I'm not going to tell you my age, but I did start very, very Fair. young. So uh, <laughs> Okay, okay. I have a lot of experience. So the first 20 years of my career was mostly in enterprise operations. So tier three, tier four data centers doing legitimate, like tier one enterprise application development and network application across all the spectrums, including security. So a lot of real world experience coming from that. The last 10 years, I've been mostly doing customer facing work as an okay. architect and primarily a technical evangelist. So I've kind of moved more towards like the sales and evangelist side and away mm -hmm. from kind of the hardcore like coding and implementation side. Have you found I the started, move to the uh, go Oh, ahead. sorry, Derek. Go ahead. I, I started back in the day with like Nobel Networks and then moved on to like x86 compute with thin clients and then virtualization with VMware and then in the 2000s, big iron storage. But mostly for the last five years, now I've been focused on cloud architecture. Currently, I'm in go-to-market with technical and product leadership. So working with customers to understand their needs, driving those needs back through technical uh, engineering and product groups, and working with marketing then to deliver those product features back to the customer. I right? give the customer what they want. So that's kind of my current focus today. Yeah, Derek, I'm curious, how have you found the move towards the sales side? I just out of curiosity. Yeah, so definitely we call it going to the dark side, right? <laughs> uh, in enterprise operations, we always deal in the reality and the truthfulness of the situation 100% because that's the world we live in. Moving to sales, there's a lot more. Sales and marketing is a little more aspirational. Right, sure, little, right. sure. You know, a little more yeah. embellishment, a little yeah. more storytelling where we yeah. didn't have that at all in enterprise operations. So it's definitely way more interesting. It's a lot more fun to work with people. People are infinitely more complex and interesting than working with systems. Although I have to admit working in enterprise operations, it did often seem like the systems I was working on had their own personality. Some of them right. liked me, some of them didn't, right? Right, right. So it seemed that <laughs> way, but it's it's been a good shift, but definitely uh, way different than enterprise ops. Well, that's a per I've got to ask that question because it's a perfect segue, Ed, for 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 how we're going to pragmatically talk about what it is that you do at Silk and what Silk particularly does itself. So why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us about Silk and what it does? Okay, great. So here's our pitch, right? So Silk, we're a shared cloud data virtualization platform for enterprise applications. And that's kind of a fancy way of saying what we do is we deliver enterprise class performance, the, the highest level rich data services, really advanced operational capabilities with a highly available, scalable, and resilient architecture to deliver modern business outcomes at lower costs than what people could get with cloud native. So our platform does things that cloud native alone cannot do for enterprise clients, delivering a higher value 
than cloud native alone. So we're kind of a combination of both a vitamin and a painkiller. If you need more and, or if you need us to remove pain, that's kind of what we do. That's what our platform does. Right. And so explain to us too. So, cause we've got a whole swath of different types of listeners to explain some of that language to our audience too. What, what you mean by when you say cloud native, particularly. So cloud native, when you move to the cloud, there's a lot of basic features and functions that you can get from the cloud. We call them cloud native services. So they're provided by the cloud themselves. And when we're talking cloud, generally I'm speaking of like AWS GCP, which is a Google cloud platform or Microsoft's Azure, right? That's kind of the, the general public cloud that most people are, are familiar with. And cloud native, when we say that means you're only gonna use the services provided by that cloud provider themselves. Okay. Now, those services generally are pretty good. One thing to understand about the cloud is the cloud is built for the average. It's built to support most everything out there. It's not super specialized to support what we call a big enterprise. A big enterprise mm -hmm. is going to be, you know, the, the larger data sets that are moving and scaling into the hundreds of thousands and millions of users, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of the big applications, big enterprises. Cloud is great for mid-market SMB, small enterprise. But bigger things, it kind of struggles with to deliver the real kind of services that we've been used to getting for mm -hmm. decades on-prem. It really struggles to deliver those with what we call cloud native. So what you have to do is you have to leverage third-party application providers to kind of fill in those gaps and help you get the, all of the bits and pieces that you need because cloud native by itself can't do everything. It's kind of a one-size-fits-all. And as you know, one-size-fits-all means there's going to be a lot of things that don't quite fit into that bucket. means it doesn't fit anyone in the end right, of the day. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, and Derek, explain a little bit in your experience, like how have retailers, especially some of those larger enterprise retail companies, how have they approached going to the cloud then? You, you touched on like third-party services, but like how, how else are they, are they kind of getting that in motion? Yeah, so couple of things to talk about. So this, this whole cloud journey, this digital transformation that really everybody's on now mm -hmm. across all sectors and all companies, retail is largely kind of led it along with gaming, but other sectors too, you know, finance, healthcare, uh, manufacturing, even, even the, the, the traditional laggards, government and educational are now mm -hmm. on this digital transformation journey. So all sectors, all companies, and there's a really a three-tier approach when you talk about moving to the cloud. So people have been moving to the cloud for the last 10 years with their what we call tier two or tier three workloads. And those are the less important things, frankly. It's middleware, file systems like web services, your web servers, et cetera, non-production workloads, backup archive, et cetera. That stuff has moved to the cloud pretty easily. Those are some of the things the cloud does really, really well. It's cheap. It's simple. Everyone understands it. So that's the, that's the first part of your digital transformation journey. The second part is what people are really trying to do now. And this is kind of where they're getting stuck. Yeah. Moving the tier one enterprise workloads, mm. much, much harder to move those. Those are what we call the crown jewels of the company. That's your line of business. That's where you make your money. That's if that went away, your business would probably go away. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of reasons for the difficulty in moving those cost, complexity, highly risky uh, performance requirements, and oftentimes even company culture or skill set, because the culture and skill set you had from 20 years ago in your IT department, that doesn't really translate today to modern cloud paradigms. Mm -hmm. e even like I said, the culture and culture is company and culture drives everything in company because human beings like culture is what we do. And the culture of yesteryear is not cloud culture. So you have to like change your hiring practices. You have to hire different skill sets. You need to do different management. It, it's really very, very challenging for most of these companies. So 
that's part of the whole journey is moving to this new paradigm. They're just now starting to move this decade. Tier one workloads are starting to move because the COVID pandemic, COVID-19, mm-hmm. has greatly accelerated this, especially for retail. It's kind of pushed companies to move much faster than they wanted, especially like brick and mortar companies when yes. they're like, hey, nobody can go out anymore. We really need to up our game here for remote and edge services, delivery mechanisms, supply chain management, all of this stuff, fulfillment, et cetera. They were kind of stuck in yesteryear. And yesteryear, honestly, is the early 2000s, really. It's not like that long ago. But COVID really accelerated this massively. So, so Derek, I'm curious, then, is that why, is that fundamentally why upgrades to things like the order management system, the point of sale system are so difficult to do. Like every retail we talk to, my, my favorite question to ask the, the ones that really know what's going on, like I've asked the CTO of Sam's Club this, I said, what's the most important technological upgrade that enabled you to go fast? And he said yeah. a cloud point of sale system. But is that why that is so hard for retailers to do and just make that happen? Yeah. So I'm going to explain a phenomenon that's really impacting this tier one workload. Because like I said, the tier one stuff's the hard stuff, but it's also your business critical stuff. Mm-hmm. So part of this slowness or the difficulty in, in deploying, you know, point new point of sale or, or these new, you know, back end solutions that manage supply chains and all these things, part of this slowness revolves around a phenomenon that's called data gravity. Okay. okay. So data Tell gravity. Sounds heavy. It, it is. It's super heavy. <laughs> data gravity is where there's this large database, like we said, the crown jewels of the company. And it's the money-making center of the business, but it's very large and very heavy. So we want to think of that like the sun, right? Like uh, okay. the planets in orbit around the sun. Sun has high gravity. It holds all the planets in place. So the applications that leverage and use that data are like planets or asteroids that result revolve around this data sun. They themselves are lightweight enough where they could move to the cloud and run fine there with no problem, but they can't move on their own until the sun, this big database, right? moves first and takes them along with it. Mm. So data gravity means that wherever the primary databases are located, the ancillary and support applications that use that data have to be located close by. This is a concept called data locality. Hmm. And it's critical to maintaining high performance and right order fidelity on these databases, which is a must have to keep things working properly. So that's a very technical description, but when you press a button and you look up order entries and you're trying to do stuff, all of that is database work. And if those things aren't close together, your performance really suffers. And this is where customer experience dies off. So you can't have these things separated apart. So data gravity makes it so that everything in the critical path of your mission critical applications has to move to the cloud together Mm. or none of it really can move successfully. So we call these things anchor workloads. So this workload is kind of stuck on-prem and while you could move a lot of these little pieces to the cloud and they would work okay, they really can't move without this big database by itself. So this is one of the reasons why it's so hard to upgrade because it's kind of an all or nothing. Hmm. So what happens when retailers try to do this then? Like what, I'm curious, like what type of issues do they encounter as they're trying to upgrade their systems in this manner that you're describing? How do they yeah, move so- that heavy data? Yeah. How do they get yeah. past data? What, like what issues do they find when they're trying to get through this data gravity issue? Yeah, it's a great question. So unfortunately for a lot of them, it's trial and error because I'll be honest, the cloud guys are selling them that, oh yeah, you can just move everything. It'll move really quickly. There'll be no problems. And they don't really know. So they 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 kind of buy this story and then they move stuff and some of it works okay. And then some of it really doesn't work well at all. And they have these mm-hmm. problems where they're kind of stuck. They They either have to 
rewrite and create a whole brand new solution, which is really what the cloud guys want them to do, or they kind of have to move right. back to where they were at on premise. So it's difficult to upgrade pieces and parts from on-prem or hosted environments moved into the cloud because then they're, as you said, they're too far away in separate regions or geographic areas. They don't work well anymore because data locality is dependent on the laws of physics still. We, we still are subject to the laws of physics around speed and response times. And as you know, response time for consumers is king because people want fast response times because if things are slow, that's, that's a real problem. So when you want to upgrade your systems to the cloud, it's very difficult to move everything at once for these reasons, other reasons as well. So there's, there's design considerations we need to look at in order to have a successful migration to the cloud. Why did you say the cloud providers want you to take that approach? What is, what is, what is there? There's, that sounded like there's something more to that. What did that mean for everyone listening? Yeah. So the cloud provider, like for him, Nirvana for the cloud provider is to get you to rewrite all of your applications to their cloud native specification. And what that means is they have their own services that are proprietary, but only work if you leverage all of their native services, which means you have to rewrite all of your code. So the things that you're mm -hmm. using today are not going to work in their cloud unless you rewrite them. But mm -hmm. once you rewrite them, to what we call a, a cloud native API, right? It's basically a proprietary spec for you know, GCP or it's proprietary for Azure, et cetera. Once you're there, you're kind of locked in forever. And that's There's the no best thing in the world for them. Because once you're there, you're probably never going to be able to move out. You certainly can't move to a, a competitor, again, without mm -hmm. rewriting everything again, which nobody, nobody wants to do that. Right. Which, Derek, that seems like it would enhance the hard sell for, for moving to the cloud. I mean, I guess the retailers don't really have a choice at this point. They know they have to do it. But I mean, that seems like, like, I guess, what what is, how is Silk helping here? Like what, because this right. does not seem like a great scenario. It's kind of like you're stuck between a seems rock really and a hard. hard place. Yeah. 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 And this is the difficulty. I'll tell you exactly what the, what the challenge is. So let's, let's leave out, first of all, people that are brand new. So if you're Greenfield, if you're just starting from scratch, if you're a brand new company, you can write to a cloud native API and it'll probably work okay for you because you don't have an existing business to worry about. You can take your time and you can architect it okay. And you can look at all the different options, be fine. So let's leave those people out of the mix because cloud native for them, probably okay. Right. For the vast majority, everyone else who has an existing line of business, especially for retailers that have been around for decades, they can't just do that, right? They, they have to continue to run their business and have it working functionally while they're trying to migrate. So the challenge around this is, if I'm gonna go to the cloud, they want me to rewrite everything to a cloud native spec. That's gonna take me years. Mm -hmm. It might not even be successful because ultimately a lot of projects when they're done, they don't deliver the feature, functionality, experience, performance you thought you were going to get. I mean, right. that's not a shock, right? I mean. Yeah. Everyone's heard stories about how most IT projects fail and they either fail completely where it doesn't work at all, or it sort of works where, yes, you're in the cloud now, but you're missing a lot of the feature functionality that you used to have with your existing system on-prem. So they're unhappy with it, right? It's, it's like, we're in the cloud now, but it's not great. So they got to weigh that. So how do you get all of the feature functionality performance and the business logic that you've been developing to for the last decade or longer. Because a lot of these guys, some of them have databases with business logic that's 30 years old. Sure, they have a yeah. huge amount of, 
a huge library of things that they've been built and working on. They don't want to just get rid of that. They want to, right. they don't want to lose all that. They don't want to deprecate it. So how do you move that to the cloud successfully? So this is the new challenge. So what Silk allows them to do is something we call, it's a lift and shift and evolve function. Hmm. So what that means is you can take everything you have today and you can lift that whole, you don't have to piece it out. You can take the whole thing and you can shift it into the cloud and run it on our platform while getting the same feature, function, performance, resiliency, availability, data services, security, governance, all of those things that you're used to getting, you can keep all of those in place while plugging into the cloud, you now get all of the advantages of cloud around the operational models, around the elasticity, agility of the cloud, all of the geographic advantages, geolocation, et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You don't have to give up anything you've already had. Plus you get all of the advanced features of the cloud without having to go through the risk and cost of rewriting everything and you know taking the risk of losing the function that you had before. Well, and also the time, Derek. Like how much time is this saving companies in in the desire to like bring get speed to market to like get get on the cloud to have not have teams and restore like it just seems like there's so much dedicated to moving to the cloud that this saves them a, a lot. It's a huge huge time saver because Honestly, when, when, and again, leaving out the greenfield guys, but people who actually have established businesses and hundreds and thousands, tens of thousands of users to pick up and move or rewrite everything takes literally like the typical time frame is 18 to 36 months. It's a year and a half to three years to do it. And again, no guarantee it's going to work in the end. Right. So when CIOs look at this in, in my industry today, the average lifespan of a CIO is about 18 months. Right. Yeah, because you basically get one big project, right? And if that doesn't work, they're probably going to move you on and move on to something else. That's the hard reality of what we do. It's deliver or die. And when somebody's looking at a three-year project that may or may not work, no, nobody wants to do that, right? Yeah. It's, it's just way too risky, not just for the company. Of course, the board and the president and the C-suite, they don't want to do it because the risk is too high. But individuals don't want to do it because it's too personally risky for their career as well. I can't tell you how many times we come in and it's like, well, we've just had, you know, a major executive change because they tried to do this and it didn't work. And now there's a new regime in place and we have to make this work. Please help us. And that's the, that's the reality of it. So this is cutting back on time, saving resources, but then also allowing retailers the flexibility, almost like a, a guarantee as they're going in. Like if this, this doesn't work, we still have the ability to lift and shift this to another platform if we need to. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yes. No, you're exactly right on that. That's a good point because part of ref what a rewrite is what we call a refactor. So if you're going to refactor something to a cloud native spec, you're kind of locked in there. When you lift and shift, what that means is you're not, you're not beholden to those proprietary APIs. So yeah. you can move it someplace else if you need to. Mm -hmm. Lift and shift means you can move it from Google to Amazon to Azure, mm -hmm. or you could move it back on-prem, or you could do anything you want with it. You're not, you're not tied in, you're not locked into something that may not be a good long-term solution for you. So it gives you a lot of agility. It gives you a lot of options. It, it actually gives people a lot of pricing power, which is what they like as well, because uh, also, I, I would tell you probably half of our enterprise customers are continuously in pricing negotiations between mm -hmm. two major clouds for services, which is how it should be. Mm -hmm. you know. But if you're locked into someone, it's like, 
well, now what are you going to do? Kind yeah, of you lose your power. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so basically, so what you guys saying, so like, and is there a term for it too? Like you basically are, you're playing this, you're kind of this middle layer then between the current enterprise architecture of the, the big enterprise retailer and the cloud systems, right? Is that the best way to think about this? Yeah. So we're, we basically, we're a virtualization layer. So virtualization can mean a lot of things, a lot of people, but what it means is that you can take what you have today, you plug it into the cloud and we virtualize or abstract away the cloud elements. So you just plug into us and we look exactly like what you've been used to getting. So you don't have to change anything on your side, but our platform leverages all of the advantages and benefits of the cloud. So a virtualization layer, a translation layer is basically we call it a, a cloud data platform. A lot of different ways to say, take what you got, plug it in, keep everything you had, plus all of the new advantages, benefits, like I said, the elasticity, the resiliency, the operational uh, advantages, especially around governance, et cetera, and things like that you get from the cloud as well. That, that was, that was going to be kind of my next question too. I want to go in that direction. Like, so a lot of times one plus one can equal three in these types of setups too where there's even more benefits that are gained from taking this type of approach. What are some of the other operational benefits that a retailer would see from going in, going with you or, or taking this approach with via virtualization layer? So there's a couple of benefits. Um, probably the primary one is the additional performance. So cloud is not really architected to deliver high levels of what we call vertical performance. And there's There's a whole description about vertical scaling versus horizontal scaling, the different paradigms. Really, to make it simple, the world that we all came from scaled vertically, which means if you wanted more performance, you added more horsepower, more CPU, more memory, more disk, et cetera. That's a vertical scale. Mm -hmm. The cloud scales horizontally, which means instead of adding more of one thing, you just add a lot of additional things. Mm -hmm. Well, the challenge with that is the the applications that you're trying to move to the cloud really want to scale vertically. So when you plug them into us, we allow you to scale vertically and drive that performance for peak workloads. And where this translates to the business outcome for retailers is that when I have peak workload times around sales campaigns or you know the more traditional ones are like during Cyber 5, you know Black mm-hmm. Friday, Cyber Monday, etc., when I have 10x load of users on my system, with Silk, we can support that because we scale vertically using a dynamic, automatically scaling solution. So we can scale out, we can scale up non-disruptively very easily, where the cloud cannot do that with legacy systems. So systems you're trying to bring over, it doesn't work with the cloud. So we allow you to do that. So you can run your system on us without having to refactor it and support these big, huge peak workload times during your sales campaigns or Cyber 5 and have the ability to deliver all the feature functionality, performance response times you need for high customer experience and customer delight and not worry about you know, your site tipping over and dying. Because I think everyone has experienced going to a website that's too heavily loaded and what happens. Oh, yes. Which is very timely for when this discussion is mm-hmm. going to come out here just in advance of the holidays as well. Derek, are there any examples of uh, retailers or someone that you, you've worked with who's taking this approach and, and who's had success with it? Yeah, sure. So we'll, we'll share a, a really good uh, real world a customer that we just did this last summer and it worked really well for them. So they're a large online furniture and home goods retailer. And the challenge that they had 
was mostly around timelines. So they had a company okay. mandate to move to the cloud, which is also something that's very common these days, right? The C-suite mm. says, we got to get out of the data center. You need to move to the cloud right now. Well, easier, easier said so than done, great. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Do you know what data gravity is, sir? <laughs> yeah. You know how hard this is going to be? <laughs> right. So, uh, so they Corporate fiat is a problem cloud. is what you're saying, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it, it, the C-suite, you know, bless them, but come down to operations. Let me tell you how it works, guys. They right. don't want to do that, right? Uh, so the reason they had this mandate, and there were some legitimate reasons for it, is because a lot of times you have uh, leases that are coming up. So you have to mm -hmm. renew your lease or you have maintenance events. And these are, you know, millions or tens of millions of dollars that you don't want to spend because you're, you're moving away from that model, but you're now up against this deadline. So they had a, they, this had to happen by a deadline or they were going to have to pay additional fees they didn't want to pay. So wow. It's pretty significant, this deadline to move to the cloud. The challenge they had was around this very this uh, very example that I was talking about with data gravity. They had this huge anchor workload around SQL databases. So they had hundreds of SQL databases. So this is a very large retailer, lots of databases that were impossible to move, literally impossible, which means they could not move them to the cloud at all due to the high performance requirements. Because remember I told you cloud mm -hmm. is like one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Well, if it doesn't fit your size, you can't move there. And they couldn't move there. Hmm. And they were kind of stuck in the middle. The cloud provider had sold them like, you can move and do all these things, but then they figured out they couldn't. They were in this time crunch. They couldn't get the performance they needed either from uh, platform as a service solutions or SaaS solutions couldn't deliver the availability levels they needed and the performance levels. And when we talk about availability, what that means is that if there's ever a failure anywhere, this system's still gonna stay up and running because we've got a lot of resiliency, a lot of redundancy, a lot of built-in failure, failover and self-healing capabilities that cloud native oftentimes doesn't have. Uh, so based on those restrictions, they were kind of stuck. So the to their credit, the cloud salespeople actually said, hey, we know about this company, Silk. They might be able to help you. They introduced us to them. So, And we partner with the cloud, and we were joint development partners with all the clouds. We work with our salespeople very closely, so they're aware of what they do. They're aware of what we do. So they brought us in, and we helped them move this actually quite quickly. So the outcome was we moved them from their on-prem data centers to the cloud in five weeks, five wow. weeks we were in production. Now that's incredible agility and velocity to do this. There is no way they could have ever done that if they'd had to refactor or rewrite, it would have taken them years and years. So in a month, about five weeks, a little over a month, we were up, up and running in production. Some of the advantages they got here, besides the cost savings, being able to move out of the data center. We were actually, our platform is actually faster than their on-prem performance that they were getting, which was amazing because their on-prem solution is using multi-million dollar dedicated hardware specifically right. for these tasks, right? These are right. incredibly expensive systems. It's not like going to Best Buy and getting a PC. I mean, these are like, right. you know, really expensive solutions. So that was a great result for us. And they had overall cost reduction due to our rich data services. Enabling, thing to, enabling them to do things in their workflow that you simply can't do with cloud native because cloud native doesn't actually have those features yet. You have to understand another thing about the cloud is that the cloud is relatively new. So they're not nearly as mature mm. in their enterprise functionality mm. as what we've been getting on-prem for literally the last 30 or 40 years. So there's a lot of feature functionality on-prem that doesn't exist in the cloud yet because they're just not mature enough. They'll get there eventually. Every year they, you know, 
offer more and more things, but today they're still missing some things. Uh, there's still some gaps there. So now they can easily support the peak extreme seasonal workloads along with okay. some really, really big sales campaigns that they ran. So we've already like, we've already pressure tested and stress tested the solution. It worked great. Passed all those tests. They're ready for Black Friday, Cyber 5 coming up here. It lets them keep their existing SQL business logic that they've been developing for a decade. And right. all of their major That's investments key. in their development on their existing platforms and systems without taking any of the risk involved in a full platform migration. So it was really win, win, win. Uh, it works better. They moved quickly. They're actually saving money because as they scale, we're bending cost curves down, leveraging economies of scale. It's really a great outcome, both for them and us. Yeah. And so the cloud provider too, because you know what? We save the cloud provider face. Right. They're like, our system doesn't right. work. Yeah. I bet you're a cloud provider's best friend. Yeah. I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Like net net, you save data, you save them from data gravity, having them come crashing back down to earth for the most part. And you did this in what? Five weeks, you said? Five, five weeks? Five weeks to live production, which I admit is kind of crazy. And most people will be like, there's no way. But you have it's to hard understand. hard precedent to set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were under a severe time constraint. So customer was highly motivated as well. So okay. most customers, it's going to take several months for this just because they don't want to move that fast um but if you want to move that fast we can move that fast because our system is is really simple to deploy and migrate onto yeah and this is a large enterprise grade retailer too that we're talking Huge. about people should keep one that of the in biggest, mind yeah, one of the biggest big. right yep yeah. all right well as we as we kind of um close this up derek any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you have for for you know the people listening to this outside the cloud providers who, if they don't know about you already, probably need to find you immediately um, as as they're approaching you know moving moving to the cloud or trying to decide how they how they approach that or watch outs for any C suite executive who's yeah. fiat demanding they move to the yeah. cloud, Derek. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I love the executive mandate by fiat. <laughs> so in operations for 20 years and be like, oh, please, yeah. you're killing me. All right. So my words of wisdom, really just to say, probably it's time for enterprises to look seriously now at moving their tier one workloads. Okay. Not the easy yeah. stuff, but the right. hard stuff from on-prem into the cloud and to start plugging those workloads into and taking advantage of all of the other data services and advanced business functions and logic available from different cloud providers today that you can't really get if you're stuck on-prem. Mm -hmm. See, the challenge is if you're stuck on-prem, you can only kind of use your own stuff. The cloud guys have all sorts of amazing advanced business logic, feature functionality, and things like that. You just need to move your data into the cloud so that you can start plugging into that and leveraging it. And this is kind of all the mythical like AI and ML and all this really cool stuff that you can get in the cloud. Well, you need to move your data there first. So you really need to start looking at moving your enterprise tier one stuff. This is the decade to move the rest of your entire data estate to the cloud and start leveraging the future today. And Silk helps you with that, but the future is now. So start really looking seriously at that. Data estate. God, there's a lot of good Got a lot of There's good phrase nuggets. drops in here. Yeah. yeah, some nuggets. And like I said, when I said the opening, like what Derek's describing to me just seems so intuitive. When yeah. You think about how all this architecture is architected. Like it just it just makes so much sense to me. So so Derek, thank you. That was absolutely wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Loved all the little all the new terms that are that you introduced and uh, to Ann and me th uh, today during this conversation. So I'm guessing there's a lot of listeners who found what you had to say really interesting and really compelling. 
and want to learn more about what Silk does and possibly even pick your brain uh, to help them through that process. So what's the best way for them to get in touch with you should they want to do that? Well, Chris, and and let me say that was fantastic. I really appreciate you bringing me on here. I had a great time. Uh, If someone wants to get a hold of me, they can do it on LinkedIn. I'm available on LinkedIn. They can connect with me or send me a message, or they can get a hold of us through our website, silk.us, and connect with me that way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks again, Derek. Uh, That wraps us up. Thanks to Derek Swanson, the Chief Technology Officer at Silk. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. And as always, to everyone listening, be careful out there.